0: If you have your Bibles, I'd like to turn there. We're in the midst of this, these instructions on the holy tent in Exodus. So we're all the way back in the second book of the Bible in Exodus. And we've walked our way through how God redeemed his people, chose his people, delivered them from slavery. But it wasn't for that alone, not just for deliverance from slavery, that he wants to dwell with his people. And we we're starting to look at the amazing wonder of what that means in Exodus. So we're in Exodus beginning in chapter 28 today. But, but we've been talking about the structure, right? The tent and the, the structure and how all these pieces point forward to Jesus Christ. Like Jesus is everything. So you have the mercy seat in the, in the Holy of Holies that, that represents the amazing wonder of Christ, our propitiation. He paid for all our sins and the blood that would be sprinkled there. It's so holy you can't even go in. It's a shut off room with a veil in front of it. Oh, the veil also representing Jesus, how he, he ripped that veil so we could come inside. The bread of life there in the presence of God. The light of the world. These amazing representative things that point forward to Christ. Over and over, every all these pieces. And, And so we ended last week with the altar and how the altar, where they would sacrifice animals for burnt offerings and sin offerings and guilt offerings and all of these offerings that required blood and death. And how Jesus Christ is our sacrifice once and for all. Amazing things, right? And so, and so the rest of 27 talks about how they set up the courtyard to put space around it, how they, how they had specific oil that they were going to burn inside there. But all of these things have been about the structure. And it's amazing. Today, we get to talk about who gets to go in in the Old Testament. And, and what it means that God had them prepare a certain way. It's prepping the priest, you see. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about this amazing wonder that, that someone's going to have to go in there. And it's very much like, if you could think about, like the sun. And just think about if the, the sun, you say, we're going to take a trip to the sun, you and me. Well, uh, what radiation clothing am I going to wear so I survive? What super special air conditioning? Because it's so hot, you disintegrate if you get too close. I mean, that's the presence of God, right? That's the actual holiness of God. It's so amazing. It's so strong that if you get close, you die. So, so when we talk about priests, we're talking about people who actually go into the presence of God. Well, what, what makes it so they can? Uh, is it going to be their high moral character? Is it going to be something else? So that's what we get to look at today of, of the going into the, 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 the presence and particularly all the time really that God is speaking because this is all still God speaking about what to do. Almost all of it is aimed at one priest, the high priest. He's the one that once a year goes into the actual presence of God. So I, I want you to see these things. I want you to understand how God thinks of his holiness and how we fit in the, in the midst of worship of our Savior Jesus, the Messiah the anointed one. So come with me. This is interesting stuff and helpful for us as we live our lives to understand what it means that we're in Christ. Okay. So first we need to cover getting dressed. That's the first piece. So if you have your Bibles, I'm not going to read all of these things. I'm going to, I'm going to make sure you understand what's happening through. And there's a depth of instruction about making sure it's skillfully done. That's good. But to understand the pieces and not fall asleep, that's even better. No falling asleep. I, I, didn't, I was going to bring my Kermit the Frog thing because I had a teacher once to kind of use that beanbag. Because as soon as you talk about like clothing for the priests. Every, okay, so, so stay with me. This is the word of God. Here we go. So it says, bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him. From among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. And you shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, for glory and for beauty. You shall speak to all the skillful whom I filled with the spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. These are the garments that they shall make, a breastpiece, an ephod, a robe, a coat of checkerwork, a turban and a sash. They shall make holy garments for Aaron, your brother, and his sons, to serve me as priests. They shall receive gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. Okay, this this is kind of remarkable, and and for us, we kind of miss it. You know, they haven't really talked about priests ever in the Bible. There, There really isn't a talk about, oh, they're priests to God. There's only two mention of priests so far. One is Melchizedek, who's, remember, in Genesis 14, which just kind of appeared out of nowhere. And the other one is Jethro. That's Moses' father-in-law. He was a priest of his family. That's it. There, there weren't kind of this role of people who were going to serve God in this way or represent God in this way. There wasn't any of it. This is, this is new. This is for the special thing of God saying, I'm going to dwell with my people, and I need someone who's going to come into my presence And so what you're going to need to do is make him clothing. Well, that's kind of interesting. So what he's going to do, and he mentioned them here, right? Eight pieces of clothing that the high priest is going to have to wear. If you're not the high priest, you got four. And then three of them are the same, and one of them is a little bit different. But these eight pieces that they talk about there, and, and it's for, did you see that in verse 2? It's for, you, actually verse, yeah, for glory and for beauty. That's really interesting. It doesn't just say for God's glory. It's for God's glory and for beauty. God has a sense of aesthetic. He likes beautiful things. Make it beautiful. Make it, make it valuable if it's coming into my presence, and its glory is going to shine because I'm glorious. That's not always something we take time to concentrate on in the tabernacle and the clothing to demonstrate this gold and embroidery. It was to be beautiful, a reflection of who he is. This glory reflects the glory that be inside the Holy of Holies, displaying the glory of God. And you know the very best thing they could do to find the glory of God is they talked about the heavenly realm. And that's why this represents this thing God made, made for them to know, the heavenly realm, right? The cherubim are there woven in, looking in on God as representation of the heavenly realm. What's the number one thing you guys know about the glory of God? It's behind me. It's a cross, right? We know a little bit something different about God and his glory because his glory came in Christ. This wonder of God's glory come manifest among us. And so what I want you to see is as we talk about this is for the beauty and the glory. You got to know what's going to happen. They're making these very valuable things. The priest is going to be weighted down with gold and with fine linens and all these things. And then you know what God's going to do with that or have them do with this beautiful things that they made? They're going to put, sprinkle blood on it over and over. Blood. When he goes into the altar and that, 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 um, the, 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 mercy seat and the beautiful gold cherubim and it's there, then they made this beautiful thing to represent the mercy seat of God where he's going to speak and they, they throw blood on it. Blood. It's always a bloody glory. It's always a bloody beauty. It, it, it's this wonderful, amazing reality that what we do, it's not ever enough. You can do the most beautiful thing in the world. It's not enough. It's still going to need blood. So it is with the priests. So this high priest, let me, let me give you a little bit of an of a, um, understanding. I, 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 made, I brought this picture. This is actually a picture of their vestments from a little bit later on. This is the temple vestment, but it's very, very similar. So I, I'm going to use this to help us as an illustration. And again, your bulletin has a picture too. But I just, I just want you to understand what they're doing. That the, what you have is you have Aaron, and only Aaron. And he's going to wear all these layers to get into the presence of God. What layers? Well, it starts there at the end of chapter 28 with linen undershorts. Yeah. Do you know that was like really, really rare at the time? Nobody wore them. If the, the, the closest you have is King Tut, who's wearing like a loincloth. But they had to put special things on to be, cover their privates. That's what they were doing. And they were Shorts. That's the first thing, made of linen. And then over that, they put a, a, a tunic, a checker tunic. And you can kind of see it there. That, that's, it it kind of has boxes on it. And so this checker tunic went over that. And then over that went a, a blue robe. And then over that went something called an ephod. An ephod is like this vest. And, and so the vest was, was made out of that linen too and, and super valuable. But then on the, the ephod, this vest, you put a breastplate the breastplate was going to have stones on it. On his head, you put a turban. And, and then on the turban, you actually had something that you tied on that said, holy to Yahweh, a gold plate that you put on it. And then he put a sash around his waist. Okay, the guy's kind of laden down with like, gold breastplate piece and this plate on his head and all this black stuff that he's kind of walking around on. But, but you know what I didn't talk about? What's not covered at all? His feet. Why? It's like Moses in the burning bush, right? Whenever they did any of the tabernacle stuff, it's holy ground. The whole location is holy. So they had to walk around with no, no shoes on. Shoes were particularly not Holy. So there you had you had the, the, everything's covered kind of from from head to to not toe to kind of ankle because you're not wearing wearing you're wearing shoes. Okay, pretty heavy. Multiple layers. Hot. One part of your body uncovered. The shoes, right? That—that—that's it. So that's the big picture. And for the for the priests that aren't the high priests, it's it's easier. They just have four items. They've got the tunic. They, they've got they've got sort of like a cap of some kind, and, and they've got the sash too. But but they don't have this special ephod with the breastplate or anything like that. Okay, so that was everyone wearing while working at the tabernacle, and most of the time here is spent on on, on in this passage set on what you see on the outside. So, what is it exactly that the Aaron, the high priest, is going to wear? And really, this idea is that you have stuff that he can't even see. But if he's going to go into the presence of God, who's seeing it? God is. So what does God want him to wear that God's going to see? What is it? So look with me. In, in verse 6, he says this. Actually, that's 12. I'm going to go to six. It says, they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue and purple and scarlet yarns, of twined linen, skillfully worked. So, so the, the thing that he's going to wear over him that you can really see, this ephod, this outer layer, this vest-like garment. In fact, that's where we get the word vestments. That the first thing that you see. And what is it made of? It's the same stuff the tabernacle is made of. So this is kind of interesting and something you should think about is this idea, right, that, that it's made out of gold and made out of the same stuff, the tabernacle, that's linen, blue. And, and so he's, he's like, Aaron's going to be a moving tabernacle, right? It's the same stuff as he moves around. It, that, that's what he is, right? He's walking around, speaking and serving and wearing the same stuff as the tabernacle. And so it's very much this picture of this word become flesh and dwelt among us, right? He's made of the tabernacle stuff, interesting christological picture and we know our high priest is christ so that's what he's doing he's representing god to people in that embodying the prophecy of of messiah and then and then this ephod so the ephod has stones right and so you kind of see it in this picture in the middle here and 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 this ephod and and then there's it's more than just the middle it's also the shoulders he says where you connect the ephod, you put this on him, you have two stones that you put on the shoulder pieces of the ephod, stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel. Aaron shall bear their names before Yahweh on the two shoulders for remembrance. Really interesting. Right, so what, what happened was is they would have him clothed, make this clothing for Aaron. And then you're going to put two, they said onyx stones, two big stones, and on them you would engrave six names of the tribe of Israel on one of them and six names of the tribe of Israel on the other side. And whenever you put this on, he'd have the stones there on his shoulders of the 12 tribes of Israel written on these two stones when he came into the presence of God. And it didn't end there because he has a breastplate, right? It's made of gold, but there's four rows of three gems, right and 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 there it is it says look look at this it says Aaron shall bear the names of the sons of Israel in the breastpiece of judgment on his heart and when he goes into the holy place to bring them to regular remembrance before Yahweh can catch that so each stone is a name of the, the tribe of Israel and so when he comes into God he's bringing the remembrance of the people of Israel to God that's interesting like, I always thought, sort of, you know, he represents us, that high priest. But, but the reality is, he's, he's, he does. And he's, he's re- reminding God of his people, the 12 tribes. So, twice, right then, on his shoulders, the names. On his breastplate, the breastplate of judgment, the, 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 the names. I love this. Why do I love it? Because this whole idea you should be thinking about as you're reading is, who's your high priest? And my high priest is somebody named Jesus. And so here's here's the high priest, and he's, he's bringing in the names of the tribes to God. But I know my high priest, Jesus, he goes in God in flesh. Like, like he, he bears my name in his flesh. Every time the high priest was at the altar, every time he went into the holy place, every time he's consuming bread, every time he's trimming the lamp, every time he comes in on Yom Kippur that one day a year and goes into the presence, when he does, he is the nation reduced to one man. He is the representation of Israel. And and I know Jesus Christ is the representation of me and you. This is huge. To come into the presence of God and get God to see Christ and you're in Christ is the center of what we believe, how we're acceptable before God. And this is the picture. This is what it is. When he steps in, they all step in with him. It's remarkable. What's happening with the clothing happens in reality. Jesus Christ is humanity reduced down to one person. He doesn't just have our name. He has our flesh and blood. And when he offers himself, his father sees humanity in him and our names in his body. This is an incredible picture of Jesus all beyond him, pointing beyond. They're not thinking that, but pointing beyond. We know to the person of Christ in his humanity, the priestly work of our savior before holy God, the one who took on flesh. It's remarkable, okay, and, and it keeps going. Most of the text is about this, but there's this interesting reference in verse 30. It says, on the breastplate of judgment, so this, this breastplate that they were wearing right there in the front on this ephod, and under the ephod is the, is the robe, and under the robe is the tunic, and then, and then you got the, your, your undergarments, and then, so layers upon layers, but the outer layer, it says, in the breastpiece of judgment, you shall put the urim and the thummim, They shall be on Aaron's heart when he goes in before Yahweh. And thus Aaron shall bear the judgment of the people of Israel on his heart before Yahweh regularly. Get this, right? So we don't, that's all they say about this. I mean, it's a couple other places in the Bible. But the idea is it's these two stones, almost like dice, almost like a yes and a no. And he has them both in there. You put them right next to their heart. Because the direction, the judgment of God about what they should do is, is going to be portrayed through this person, the high priest. God's not going to show up over there and say, hey, everybody, follow me. I've got some directions for you. He's going to be the high priest that goes in, and he's got the yes and the no. And if there's a yes and a no from God, the high priest gets to know it and convey it to the people. That's amazing. That's amazing what an incredible picture our savior who who comes in he all judgment is in his hands he speaks from god who is god in the flesh <laughs> amazing uh, underneath that breastplate and that ephod it is a robe, and I, I want to go back to the picture for a minute, and just so we, we're we're talking about now this blue robe, this royal robe, kind of idea underneath the big vest he's got to wear underneath the plate in the front and the stones on the side and the twelve stones there. Now you have this robe underneath. The most important thing about that that's really interesting to hear is is, is that they had to sew on the hem. Pomegranates, these little pomegranates, you know, and I don't know, I'm, I'm not a crocheter or a weaver, but I think they're little balls, right? You can make little balls out of knit yarn. But every other ball wasn't a ball, it was a bell. So the guy moved and ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. You ever do that to your cat? Watch your cat run around. Ding, ding, ding. Well, here's ding, ding, ding when the guy's moving around inside and you're not with him. And that's the idea where this rope idea comes from too. Is he still alive? I hear the bells. He's that holy, right? And he's moving around in there. So that's why I think it says, it shall be on Aaron when he ministers. Its sound shall be heard when he goes into the holy place before Yahweh and when he comes out so that he doesn't die. it's not that the music and the noise makes him not die. It's kind of like an affirmation to the people hearing that he's not dead. Because because this is because this seems silly. This seems like nothing. This seems like oh it's a it's a it's a lesson about clothing. But but in, in reality we're talking about how to how to be inside with the, the Holy God. The Holy God who's your God and my God. And it's scary, it's it's not something easy. and then this headband let's talk about the headband for a minute to keep reference to that he shall make a plate of pure gold and shall engrave on it like an engraving of a signet holy to Yahweh that's what they're going to put across their forehead holy to Yahweh that's that, that's pretty cool and you shall oh we're not there this they idea yeah, they're fastening on the turban and, and, and they're, they're putting the cord of blue it's on the front of the turban so this plate of gold and directly there amazing it's, it's picked up later This is the high priest. He's a human being and he's, he's in some sense coming into the presence of Yahweh and able to be there. And so you have the 144,000 in Revelation 14 who has the name of the Father and the Son written on their forehead. Or you have everybody in heaven there. It says there in Revelation 22, 4, they will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. You know, we make a big deal about the mark of the beast. Watch out for the mark of the beast. Don't take the mark of the beast. But I'll tell you what, you're going to have a name on your forehead. And it's not going to be the mark of the beast. It's going to be the name here, right? His name on your forehead. Because you belong to him. Him. That's this whole idea. Every believer has the name. This equal footing with the Old Testament high priest. It's amazing. Holy to the Lord. That's what redemption is, that God gives you his holiness. He makes you holy to himself. And, and our idea of baptism, our idea of communion, our idea of atonement, our idea, all these ideas are so that our sin is covered and we're considered by God holy. How, how is that? That's by our high priest. He gives you his name it 's an amazing picture of Christ and what he 's going to do for us but, but 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 I want to take a minute b- before we go on uh, just a little more it, to contrast this, do you see it in order for this? human being this picked out human being Aaron one person we're not talking about anybody coming in as long as they rather wear suit right they wear stuff but Aaron is chosen by God to go in but he can't just go in he's got to wear eight articles of clothing and be layered up and all these things happen in order for him to come in to the holy place and it's beautiful and it's glorious and in you come to the tabernacle and, and and there it is it's going to be the temple too What about our high priest? You see the wonder of holiness and the wonder of what's going on, but you have to think that what God actually did was he came to earth as a human being. Jesus Christ, our high priest. And, and what he did wasn't get clothed in beauty. He got stripped naked. You know, that's what he did. That's what happened to him. He was stripped naked and he was taken outside the camp away from the temple and the beauty and in the inner. He was taken outside the camp to Golgotha, the place of the skull, and he was put on a cross and, and he was he was brutally murdered. This is our sacrifice. This is our high priest. It's the absolute opposite of what of what's happening here. And so this contrast and why it's so important is you have this idea of to get into God's place, you have to be so amazingly covered because you are so impure, you can't. And so I'm gonna make this way for you, special one person to be covered. And here comes Jesus and he does the absolute opposite because he is God, become man. And his sacrifice covers all of us. Outside the camp. Enabling us to come in. These are huge things. This is Christianity 101, but this is God on a cross. The glory and beauty we know. And he says, hey, there's glory and beauty. The glory and beauty is the amazing wonder of his sacrifice for us. Okay. That's the clothing. So now they've got their clothing on. And now they have to actually be set apart. This getting holy idea, ordination, consecration, the the things that that happen. And this is all of chapter 29. Again, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I want you to get the highlights. This is repeated in Leviticus. It's described here what's going to happen to ordain Aaron, this special chosen one, and his four sons. And it's going to be that it gets passed on in this. You get to be a priest, not because of your training and your knowledge and all the things you know you get to be a priest because you're a relative of Aaron doesn't seem fair to me it's not about fairness this is about God nobody's worthy so there it says it says says in, in chapter 29 verse 1 now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them that's a holy word make them holy right to make them holy, to consecrate, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish and, and unleavened bread and unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wa- wafer smeared with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in, in the basket and bring the bull and the two rams. And, and then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Okay. I want you to see this amazing thing that happens right here. This is the, the making them holy so they can be in the presence of God. They can serve in there. And the first thing you notice is, hey, you go gather a bunch of stuff. You go get the bull and you get two rams and you get three kinds of, of bread and you all gather and you go, go round up the, the five guys, Aaron, who's going to the high priest and his, his four sons, and you all bring them and you all come right outside the tabernacle. So then you're ready. And then, and then you give them a bath. They need to have a bath. So that's what they do is they, they do that, right? And then Aaron gets all the clothing placed on him. And then, and then in in verse seven, he actually gets anointed. I don't know if I got put that on there or not today. Oh yeah, you take the garments, put on Aaron the coat and the robe, the ephod, the breast piece. You gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod and you shall set the turban on his head and the holy crown on the turban and you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Okay, again, I just, I I pray, you see. Anointing. That's, that's, That's the word that we use for Messiah, right? The anointed one. So you pour the oil on him and 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 you know that psalm, it's one of the shortest psalms in the Bible, so everyone likes it. It's like, hey, the the, the unity, the peace, the wonder of air, of oil flowing down Aaron's robe. It's from this. The idea is holy unto the Lord. idea is anointed, is is we have a representative, we have someone who is the Messiah, the chosen one, but he's the anointed one, that's the whole image of this, and and so here here they have he's vested, he's anointed, and this only happens to three offices, priests, some prophets, and kings, so this is all a, a very messianic thing going on. The same happening to his sons. So so they, what they have to do then is they have to put their hands on the bull and they gotta kill the bull. And and then they take they, they, they take the blood and splash it on the altar and then they burn the bull. Right? Part of it on the altar, part of it they burn outside the camp. And then they take the ram and they do the same thing. They kill the ram, they put the blood there, and they and then, and they they kill the ram and burn it up. And they take the second ram and they kill it and they and they put the blood there and, they, and, and then something weird happens. Right? Because they, the second ram is sacrificed then they put part of the blood on their earlobe and part of the blood on their thumb and part of the blood on their big toe. What? This is to make them holy for the Lord. Yeah, yeah, that's right. right? Because those are the things that they're doing. They're, they're hearing from the Lord. They're serving the Lord. And they're walking around in holy places. And so that's what they get, right? Purification for what they're doing. It takes blood. All of this. And then, and then Aaron and his sons, they, they um, take part of that ram that they just killed. And, and they have kind of a royal barbecue. They eat it okay all of this they, they they do it and so it says there that this you shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I have commanded you through seven days you shall ordain them and every day you shall offer a bowl of sin offering and you shall purify the altar when you make atonement for it and you shall anoint it to consecrate it and seven days you shall make atonement for the altar and consecrate it and the altar shall be most holy whatever touches the altar shall become holy so Understand what's happening, right? Is that they did this on day one, and then they're going to do it six more times. So they come, they gather, they get all their stuff, they, they gather, they give him a bath, they put on his clothes, they come and they, they kill these animals, they have a kind of holy barbecue, they go home. They come back the next day, you gather them all, they do all, <laughs> all this blood. Yeah, they're consecrating them. And did you notice it's not just them? It's the altar. By the way, you, you should see this. This is actually really interesting. It's, it's, it's not just them and their descendants are placed into this office. That is, only Aaron and his descendants serve this way. It's all genealogical, as past father, to son. But the bigger picture, Aaron and his sons are set apart as priests. This elaborate service to point to their imperfection. Yeah, you're going to be able to go in, but it's taking seven days of us killing animals just to get you like, to where you're actually going to go in. All these priests, no matter how good, how holy personally, how God-fearing, they had to have sacrifices offered for them and, and they would eventually die because they were sinners. And, and then at the end there, do you see that verse 37? I left it up there. It says that, that the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches the altar, you're actually consecrating the altar. I, I, I think it's so important you see this, this this idea is that something is most holy, it communicates holiness. So holiness is location. Holiness is how close you are to God. And then God says, okay, we're going to make this spot particularly most holy, and wherever he makes most holy, it communicates holiness. It's like a virus. It's totally different than we normally think of holiness. It's something personally sort of inside and about my morality, but but again, here, here you're talking about how the, the altar itself, this is not an abstract concept, concept the, the, the actual tangible thing becomes holy and the actual tangible thing conveys holiness to them and will convey holiness to the people as God uses the altar to say this is the area it's not just it's not just an, a symbol. It's more this is this gets me uncomfortable because I'm I'm a, a rational like Western scientist guy. Like, I want to measure stuff. I want to see the spark of holiness leap from the altar over to Aaron or something. I don't know. I want to see him start to glow. I want to see something happen. But the reality is, God says, when something is most holy, it communicates holiness. And these things that are closest to him communicate holiness. The altar is most holy. This is This is remarkable. But why, why do I say this? Why is it so important? Be, because Jesus, of course, is most holy. And the things he tells us to do are, are the holy things, right? It's our baptism. It's our communion. It's the things we say. These have meaning to me, not, not just as a symbol, like, like, oh, they don't really matter at all, but, but no, it's like, these are the things my God said. This is, this is the reminder to me that communicates the wonder of what my salvation really is, which is Christ alone and all he's done full stop. It's remarkable. Anyway, Exodus 29 ends then with this description of sort of basic everyday sacrifice in verses 38 to 42. And and I want to read that too because it's interesting. It says, now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs a year old day by day regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. It shall be a regular burnt offering throughout your generations at the entrance of the tent of meeting before Yahweh where I will meet with you to speak with you there. There I will meet with the people of Israel and it shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting in the altar. Aaron also and his sons I will consecrate to serve me as priests. I will dwell among the people of Israel and be their God and they shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt. Well, uh, uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Don't miss what's happening, please. What is being said by God is that every single day, twice a day, for as long as this happens, I want you to, 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 you know how how your sin doesn't just go away. You're going to have to sacrifice a lamb twice a day. So every day the lamb comes up. Every day they kill it and use the blood to cover their sin. And every night they do the same thing. The lamb comes in and they kill it to cover their sin. This happens every single day for all of Israel's existence. That That's what you're to do because because you guys are sinners. That's incredible, right? Ongoing perpetuity. God continues to give an animal for sacrifice for his people. Not a day goes by that they don't sin. So not a day goes by without a sacrifice, a lamb, a continual burnt offering whoa and so you know when jesus comes and he offers once for all time an offering and it's done that's why we don't sacrifice anymore because his offering was that good not because we stopped sinning super important and 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 then these verbs Did, did you hear them A regular burnt offering through your generation. There I will meet with the people of Israel. It shall be sanctified by my glory. I will consecrate the tent of meeting. Aaron and his sons I will concentrate. I will dwell among the people and be their God. They shall know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am the Lord their God who brought them out of the land of Egypt that I might dwell among them. I am Yahweh, their God. Do you hear over and over God's heart for them? He says, I didn't just bring you out of slavery. I, I'm meeting you. I will meet you at this place. I will I will consecrate you over and over. So it says like four times in there. Sanctification. I'm going to, I by my glory will make you holy. And, and then this whole idea, I'm going to dwell with you and be your God This is a summary of what God's about in worship. We're ending here with this because it's so important. This is God setting apart his people and his priest, but the priest is representative of what his heart is and what's God's heart to dwell with us, to make us holy, to meet with us. I brought them out of Egypt so that I might tabernacle with them. It's why I struggle with the idea of this, this idea. Oh, God is just about releasing slaves. No, he's not just about releasing slaves. God's about dwelling with his people and he releases slaves so that he can dwell with his people. And then so the, the actions is not liberation theology. The action is kind of dwelling consecration theology. How in the world do you and I get to be with God? That's what we're about. He is not far away. He is not distant, To be their God, not just existing, but doing good things to them, to bring out, to dwell, to do good, to make holy, that's the purpose. God doesn't get anything out of Old Testament worship. God gives. Sometimes you say, man, come to church and you're coming to serve, you're coming to do... Th- no, you come to church to receive from God because, because we come and we know we're nothing and yet we have this amazing God who's done everything for us and we come to sing his praises, but he... He gives us the fruit of the spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. I want all those, don't you? Oh, I do. And they're gifts from him. It's all God. Not a word in these two chapters as Aaron is set apart. Not a word about his character. Not a word about his morality. You say, well, Dax, that's argument from... No, this is about making him Holy. What made him holy was blood, and wearing the right clothes. So we have holy underwear. We'll be handing out at the bat now. <laughs> No, that's not true, right? We have something so different. Look, 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 look. When Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come, he's the high priest, not you and me. Jesus Christ is the high priest and through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is not of this creation, Jesus entered once for all into the holy places with us, representing us, right? Not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing for you and me An eternal redemption. This is what we have. Our high priest has come, and our names are in him. The word became flesh, and he is holy and goes in, and God remembers us in him, and salvation is once and for all in him. It's specific and relentless, Jesus Christ, for you. So today, would you see you have a high priest It's not make sure you get dressed up right so you can go into the presence of God. No, it's Jesus dressed up perfectly and his perfect dressing up was by his own blood and in his flesh, he came and busted through so you and I in him have have the favor of God forever. That's this amazing picture. That's our savior. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this description in your Old Testament. Lord, we don't deserve you. We don't even understand. Lord, forgive us. We're like babies who wander into amazing, amazing rooms of incredible beauty. Throw around your precious stuff. And Lord, thank you. You're our dad. You laugh with us. Thank you that you allow us to come into your presence. Thank you that we, without even thinking, get to touch things that are holy and Be among things that are holy. Lord, you make things holy. And we put our trust in the amazing work and the incredible love of Jesus for us. We do that in his name.